I'm going to ask Stephanie to come. And Stephanie is going to lead us through some thoughts on what it then looks like to walk with somebody one-on-one through uh, a discipleship relationship. Let's give it up for Stephanie LaFerriere. I have the best hype men around, I promise. All right, let's get into this. So, Psalm 89.8 says, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness around you. You rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise, you still them. Right? Verse 13 goes on to exclaim, you have a mighty arm, strong is your hand. High your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Right? So why start off on this verse while we're talking about addiction and discipleship? Uh, The reason why we start off on this verse is because when we are walking with someone who is struggling with addiction, we need to be reminded of who we believe in. Um, Oftentimes, we can be tempted to be discouraged. We can be tempted to think that we're fighting a battle on our own. We can be tempted to um, even be convicted of our own apathy. But when we start off with understanding that we believe in God, who's mighty, who's strong, who's steadfast, who surrounds his people with steadfast love, we can have confidence as we're walking with someone. So first off, we must know who we believe in right? We are not God. We can't promise relief that only God can give, right? We can't, um, um, we can't be God to people because God is himself, but we can point others to him like Joel just said, right? And that is the main goal. We are um, in the business of discipleship to point other people to follow the person of Christ, right? So what's discipleship? Mark Dever does Um, defines discipleship as the act of doing deliberate spiritual good to help others follow Christ, right? So it's to leverage your time, it's to leverage your resources, um, it's to leverage your influence to help others follow Christ, right? So have you considered the privilege that you have in being able to actually help other people follow Christ, right? Specifically, have you considered the privilege you have in helping those who struggle with addiction to follow Christ? Oftentimes, we don't look at it as a privilege, but have you considered specifically in your life with the people that God has put in your life, the privilege it is to be able to communicate Christ to somebody, right? God could have chosen to do that in so many other ways, but he chose you, right? So think of that, right? Perhaps you're thinking, I'm not equipped, I don't know the first thing about what it means to walk with someone with addiction. Good. You're in a good place, right? We have um, people from all different uh, areas that are going to be able to speak to all these things, right? But first, let me give you some encouragement out of Romans 15:14. So Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Right, some translations even say um, that uh, convince, right, instead of satisfied, right? Paul didn't have a ton of caveats in this. He didn't say, I'm convinced that with the right degree, you can help other people. He didn't say, I'm convinced with the right amount of years that you've been a Christian, you can help other people follow Christ. He actually just said, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that you are able to actually instruct people. So let me um, be a point of encouragement that we are able to help people place their hope in Christ, right? 
Paul was saying is, Jesus Christ, your Lord, great. You have what it needs, what you need to help other people towards this, right? So if God has given you opportunities to love an addict and you've shied away on just the basis of not feeling equipped, let me encourage you, if you are a Christian, you are equipped, right? So here we are. We're talking about church and one-on-one discipleship. I got to make a couple of um, disclaimers, love disclaimers. One, we are not professionals, right? So I'm not saying that we are equipped to be uh, doctors and um, tell people what prescriptions they need, to, they need to stop. I'm not saying that. There's doctors for that, and that's great. And if you are a doctor and a Christian, then look, it's like a dual little relationship there. But that's not what I'm trying to say, right? But I'm saying we are able to be equipped with gospel truth, right? We must know that we can utilize the resources that we have available. This is why we have Vic King from Helping Up Missions here today. This is why we have Dr. Plaster speaking to the medical side of addictions. There are tons of resources, right? Look around and use those. So secondly, first we have to know who we must believe in. Second, we need to know how we ought to act and what we must do, right? We can be tempted when we're walking with someone who is struggling with addiction. Um, We can be tempted to um, not address sin as sin, right? Joel so clearly stated um, addiction is not a disease in the sense that someone is helpless against their choice. There is a choice in the matter. And so how we must act and what we must do is first understand that we must not minimize sin, right? This is actually a hopeful thing. If, if it is simply um, a disease that someone has no control over, I cannot offer any hope towards that. But if it is actually sin, we know that Christ died for that. We're like, wait, right? There's hope, right? Romans 5, 8 says, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, right? There's hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ, right? And so we have to understand that, right? So if we allow people to reduce addiction um, in the church to just a choice they don't have, then we, we are in danger, right? Second, we should explain the repercussions for hiding sin or iniquity, right? Proverbs 28, 13 says, um, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. We need to cultivate a community where people feel comfortable to confess their sin and they know where to go to, right? Um, I think it's been helpful to use phrases like, hey, it's better that you're honest with me um, even if you stumble or you relapse rather than hide it from me. Um, I I think it's really good to have these conversations early on with someone that you're walking with, right? So next, do your best to understand the nature of the substance or habit, right? Learn that person's specific details, right? There are so many different cases and and, um, situations, but this is one-on-one discipleship. You're walking with someone to help follow Christ. You want to actually understand what they struggle with. Do not assume that you know if you hear, oh, um, this person struggles with alcoholism. I'm going to assume all these things that I've read and learn that person, know their struggles, know what triggers them, knows um, how, um, uh, ask them questions like, when are you tempted to do this? When, When does this normally happen, right? A lot of this is question asking, which is one of my favorite things to do, right? Ask good questions, right? Ask pointed questions, real questions like, how has your addiction affected your relationship with God? How has it affected your relationship with family? How has it affected your relationship with friends? How has it affected your relationship with, with a job? Right? Help the, 
the addict to see the ways that in addiction has interfered with their life, with their church, with their responsibilities, and with their families. It impacts, addiction impacts every asset of your life. There's, it's very hard to hide it from all of your life, right? Help the recovering um, actor, someone who's struggling, see ways that it's not just something that they do every once in a while and no one's affected by it. All right, here's another thing we can do, right? If you're tempted um, uh, to, to feel stumped, right? Another question is to ask, when are you tempted? What do you feel when, that you're gonna gain when you're on this high? Oftentimes, people need to see what their motivations are, right? And they're placing their hope in something that is not going to satisfy, but it is our job to help them see that, right? Um, another thing that we can do um, is we need to be discerning, right? We need to be discerning that doing discipleship takes boldness, it takes honesty, and it takes tough skin and a tender heart, right? We have to um, understand that um, there are going to be a lot of hardships for the person that's walking with someone with addiction. Tears and nights and worry and anxiety, but um, if that person comes back, we want to have a tender heart towards them, right, and a tough skin, right? So build a discipleship culture where addicts are encouraged to confess sin. I've said this before, right? We need to at least make a culture where people can confess sin without assuming that we're going to jump on them or jump to all these conclusions. We need to actually be able to hear people out, right? Um, the reason is because we can encourage people with gospel hope at that point, right? John 8, 32 says the, the, the truth shall set you free. I think this is the most encouraging thing for the addict to see. I don't have to live a life of deceit. I can actually be honest about where I'm at, right? Um, I, I, this could be said before, but it takes um, someone wanting to actually have this desire to change, right? All of these things we do praying and hoping, but we can't make anyone change. We, we can pray and plead that they will, and these are just tools for that, right? So let's continue. So encourage with the truths of, um, of scripture, right? First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? This may not be the felt reality for an addict, but you can encourage them to this end. This is who you are in Christ, right? Um, that is something I think we need to, to concentrate on only because um, the addict may experience a great amount of shame um, when they have to kind of come back and say, I, I struggled again, or, I messed up, right? Remind them that in Christ, they are able to be, um, to present their bodies as one that has been brought from death to life, that their members can be used for righteousness. This takes um, work on the disciples' part. I wanted to say it takes studying. It takes prayer, right? You have to know your scripture because we're appealing to the person of God. We're not just appealing to emotions, right? All right, you guys with me? All right, well, thank you, Lawrence. All right, so another thing that we need to think about, have you actually asked the person that you are walking with to serve with you? Have you, have you wisely assigned a task? Oftentimes, um, individuals in the church can, also, can feel like they're the ones always receiving help. I'm always receiving help. No, we are members of one another, so give jobs. And I'm saying use this wisely. So lay people, people who are in the church, assign a task and give value and dignity to work, right? So oftentimes, um, we run a, a program um, at the, uh, through One Hope, and we're often saying you are made in God's image, and that brings about a great amount of responsibility and privilege. Are you giving... Um, someone a job, or are you always keeping that struggling addict at bay, right? This takes risk. 
That's why I say pursue wisdom. But you can find um, small jobs to really show, listen, you are important here, right? Um, next point. Um, they often um, need to see the power of a new affection. So Thomas Chalmers says in his book, The Explosive Power of a New Affection, he says, the best way of casting out an impure affection is to pursue a pure one and to love what is good and to expel the love of what is evil. Show them this, right? Show them this. And I say use creation as an opportunity. Think about ways that you actually do your discipleship. Is it in a room? Is it in four walls? Are you not looking at the fact that God created the stars in the sky? Use creative ways that God has already created to show people who the person work um, God is and what he's created. So think of creative ways to communicate this, right? I always say when the weather's good and it's not frigid Antarctica, we're going to take a walk outside as we talk through some of these things. We're going to go serve someone as we're doing these things, right? Um, all right, next point, prepare for a fight and expect some scars, right? So 2 Corinthians 12, 15, Paul says, I, most, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? Prepare for scars. This is not work for the weak, um, in the sense that you want to give up and quit, right? This may be work where you're walking with someone for years and years and years, and you may never really get to see what you want to see as fruit, but we trust, right, that we're planting seeds there. So expect scars. Prepare for experiencing guilt from someone. Like, I only use because of you. You, you, you caused me to do this. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for, right? Prepare for some of these phrases. Prepare for... You need to help me or I'll never get better. Just help me this one time. I'm not really an addict. I just have some struggles sometimes, right? This is a reduction of actual the reality of, of the actual issue, right? And also prepare to see the depths of desperateness and probably lies, right? And especially in the manner of um, resources that you have. Prepare, right? Prepare your heart. And this is what I mean to have a tough skin and a tender heart, right? Lastly, right, examine your motives. Don't further enable the addict by minimizing sin. And most importantly, recognize that the addict is not the enemy. Sin is. Sin is the enemy, right? So be driven by the love and the strength that comes only from Christ. Nothing else will be enough, right? As we're walking with people and we're praying and pleading with them, I have to constantly say, God, help me to love this person as you love this person. I'm tired. I'm discouraged, right? Um, Next point, do not appear to be invincible, right? As you're walking with someone in a counseling relationship, show them that you are in need of the same grace that they are in need of. Hebrews 4, 16 to 18 applies to all Christians. It doesn't say just addicts and just this, right? So remember that. And remember that when someone comes to you and confesses, we are to restore them in a spirit of what? Gentleness, right? Remembering that we could be there too. None of us is far gone from... Um, from starting a life of habitual addiction, right? So restore with the spirit of gentleness. All right, we're almost done. What must we remember? So we've talked about who we must believe in. We've talked about what we must do and how we must act. Now we need to think about what we must remember, right? We need to remember that we can appeal to the believer's identity. I say this a lot. We need to introduce new language, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? You are a new creation. You are blood-bought, right? It says in Revelations 5.9, by your blood you ransom people 
from every tribe and language and people and nation. This is who they are in Christ. Regardless if it is a feeling, this is who I'm calling them to as I'm discipling someone. Hey, do you believe in the person and work of Christ? This is who you are, right? It's not a false assurance rather than going into the word and, and digging into that, right? Another thing that I, I, I try to appeal with when I'm walking with Christians um, is remember that they um, are redeemed, right? They're redeemed from their former way of life, and you can actually call them to this. Is this in line with your identity? Let's talk about this, right? There's a great deal of shame associated with addiction. Your job is not to appease guilt, but to bring them to the one who died for their sins, right? So a couple things more I want us to remember. Um, celebrate small victories. So I call this stones in the Jordan. We've had someone come in and um, let's say they, they've been struggling uh, with addiction. I couldn't find them for weeks, but they resurfaced and then they actually contacted me when they were tempted to use. This is progress. And so when we're sitting down, I'm, I'm reminding them, listen, three weeks ago, you were gone. I couldn't even find you. But today you actually came and told me that you were using, this is progress, right? Let's keep um, pushing on to that end. So I call this stones in the Jordan. Remind them of memorials. They're not yet what they, what they were. They're not yet what they ought to be, but encourage them to that end. Um, oftentimes there can be short memories. Set small goals. So small, tangible goals within a week's notice and follow up with people. All right, next thing. Do not discredit the power of prayer in the moment. Do not discredit the beauty of hymns and songs. God has given us this to use. Do not discredit the fact that we get to go to an ultimate creator and ask. Pray with the person that you're walking with, right? Next, do not discredit the power of a good physical walk through creation. It can do wonders, right? Next, do not discredit the beauty of what happens on Sunday. Use these instances to draw out the heart. What happens in worship in a Sunday setting is beautiful. There's something about it. They're with people. They're seeing that they're part of a body. Do not discredit this. Utilize this. Use Sunday service and prayer service as opportunities um, to, to continue to meet, right? The goal is not behavior modification, but the goal is actual repentance and heart change. That's what we're after, right? So again, that means celebrating progress, right? So, next, remind them that sanctification is a process. It's not just one straight shot and we're up, right? There's jagged edges, right? But we're going to make it to the end, which is glorification, which is what Joel talked about, right? So, in summary, right, maybe it's been your mom who's been addicted for as long as you can remember. Maybe it's a brother that's been concealing their addiction, but you see the effects. Maybe it's somebody you just shared the gospel with and they're a new believer, Perhaps it's someone that you've known um, and you've had millions of conversations with and tears and pleading. As we walk with people who are struggling or enslaved to addiction, we must know who we believe. We must know that we're able to disciple those struggling. We must prepare for scars, but we must maintain a tender heart. And lastly, we must know what we have to look forward to. Right? We are living in a Genesis 3 world. We are broken. We are fallen. We are tainted by sin. Right? We know that sin has affected everything. We are broken people, but we are broken people looking forward to a Revelations 21 mindset. 
right, where he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Not some, not a small amount, but all things new, right? And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And so when we think about addictions, remember what we have to look forward to. There is a time where Christ will come and all things will be made right. This isn't just a cute quote to write down. This is helpful when you're in on the grounds of ministry and you feel like, God, I am discouraged. This person is not budging. I'm fearful that they will not make it another day. I can't find them. They're not popping up and they love their addiction this is what I have to remember. We are looking forward to what, what will come. And know that you may not see that on this side of heaven, right? Addiction affects everyone it comes in contact with. And we may not see the ultimate victory on this side of eternity, but we can be encouraged that we trust in a God who knows best, who sees our prayers, and he knows our efforts and our tears. Thanks.